Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since two thousand thirteen, Bombas has donated over one hundred million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. John Cho is the author of Troublemaker. He is most known as Harold from Harold and Kumar. Hikara Sulu from J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, or as the star of the highly anticipated live-action Netflix series Cowboy Bebop, based on the worldwide cult anime phenomenon, news of which, quote, broke the internet, to quote Vanity Fair. John is also a former seventh-grade English teacher who grew up as a Korean immigrant kid in Texas and East L.A., among many other places. He is also now a proud father with his Japanese-American wife, Carrie, of two beautiful children, a nine-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old boy who both love to read. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Troublemaker. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Would you mind describing your book a little bit for people who aren't familiar with it? I'm sorry to put you through this. I'm sure you've done that. I could try to sum it up for you, but you you give it a go. (laughs) The book follows a 12-year-old Jordan Park who is a bit of a troublemaker kid. He comes home suspended from school. And when he comes home, his parents are home unexpectedly because it's April 29th, 1992, the day that the Rodney King verdict has been read. They're in a discussion about what they should do about their store in South Central LA. The dad decides to go board it up in case there's unrest. When he leaves, his family is watching the news and growing increasingly worried about dad. 
out there. And so Jordan makes the ill-advised decision to go into his father's closet, get his dad's gun, and deliver it to him for protection the first night of the LA riots. So that's that's what the book is. It's about a boy trying to get across LA on the worst night of, of, their, of their family's lives. I mean, it's hard to get across LA even when it's not the worst night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like always a challenge getting across. True that, true that. <laughs> you know, the riots make it, I don't mean to trivialize it, obviously. It was a horrific <laughs> night and I remember it well. I was in New York, but anyway. So I've read all these different interviews that you've given and you've alluded to your high school career and your younger days of rebelness or whatever. Yeah. Tell me about you growing up and like what some of the most egregious things you did that you make. I, I know you have a 13 year old. What do you wish you had never done or what are you proud of, proud of doing? At I, think, I think, I think I wasn't, I wasn't exactly, you know, Marlon Brando and the wild ones or anything, but um, <laughs> you know, for me, the parallel to the gun in my life, because the gun for Jordan is this proxy for adulthood and responsibility and power and protection. And it, it's very symbolic for him. And it's, he doesn't understand what it does, Mm -hmm. which is to shoot bullets, (laughs) you know, and at people. But for me, the thing was the car. And I remember when I was, I must've been 13 or 14, I just wanted to drive the car. And one night I, you know, put pillows in my bed and snuck out of the house, took the keys and drove the car. It was a Lincoln, it was a Lincoln Continental. I think it was. No, the Lincoln Mark V. It was a huge boat. And uh, I was just a little kid doing this, you know, barely looking over the steering wheel. And I got a few blocks before a cop arrested me. And, you know, so my parents had the, you know, were woken up in the middle of the night by the police. So I feel very bad that I did that. <laughs> but that was, that was, so Jordan, th- th- at that age, you're you're trying to figure out how to be an adult and it's so tough and you're grasping at dumb things. And, it, you know, it, there's a lot of things happening inside that body uh, at that age. And you're trying to grow up faster than, than is wise. I uh, have to admit, which I never do, that I once took my parents' car also, but I didn't tell them until like my second wedding. <laughs> 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 but I was smart enough to have my girlfriend drive it. I just like sat in the passenger seat. Oh, nice. She was a much better driver than I was. Well, everyone's a much better driver than I was. <laughs> anyway, and we didn't get caught, but you know. Well done. Yeah. Well played. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I know. I almost never wanted to tell them, but finally I came clean. Uh, <laughs> Were you grounded? <laughs> I know, right? I was a little worried. I'm like, I know I'm 40 years old, but you know, I have to tell you what I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I got away with it. It turns out. <laughs> well, wanting to please your parents is sort of another thing, wanting to rebel against them, but at the same time, desperately wanting their approval. And I feel like the main character in this book really feels that way and is, you know, really wants his, his dad to pay attention and, and is scared of the failure and is scared of confronting them. And, and yet like there are these diametrically opposed forces all the time with what you want from your parents, especially at that age. Tell me about that, the relationship with parents, how you can simultaneously want to please and then also torture them with your behavior. Right. I mean, I, I guess I think parents are 
gods to children. They they created you, <laughs> they taught you everything, they fed you, and so you want to you want to be like them. You want their approval. You desperately need them to bless you. And yet, at that age, you need to define who you are, and you and to be like them, you need to individuate. You know, eventually. So it's an awkward time when they still need care, but they want to, I'm now mixing up pronouns. I I was I, now it's them, Uh, but uh, but, you know, uh, I guess I'm, I'm being a parent, thinking about it as a parent and being a kid. (laughs) But yeah, so boy, is it a difficult time. And I think also for, for Jordan, these things are exacerbated by, you know, being immigrants and and trying to become quote American also, which is further individuating your parents and alienating them also. So it's a weird time. I love the image of the grandfather on the couch, you know, basically not moving and occasionally looking like he understands, but like being such a fixture and, you know, the drama in the kitchen and, you know, you painted the whole family dynamic just so spot on. Like you feel like you're really a part of all that and the older sister and the way she sits with her, her, what do you call it? Like a shirt over her knees, like a little tent or whatever you called it. I also felt like the breaking glass in the kitchen at the, at the mirror, sorry, at the, on the cabinet at the beginning of the story was just such a, you know, foreshadowing of course, of all the stuff to come. Right. That was very little literary move of you there. Was that intentional? It was actually, it was, and, but it also happened to me even my parents, uh, we we moved around a lot and there were some very lean years and there were frequent fights about money and one time resulted in the sliding door coming off its hinges. And it was a little bit of a mix in my in my life uh, that it simply came off the hinges, but it kind of mixed two events. The police incident that's referred to in the book when they came, that was uh, a BB gun that shattered our front sliding glass door and the police came in with their boots on. And in the story, it's a robbery where we see how, we see uh, the Jordan's parents' relationship to police. But yeah, the the, the image of things shattering was, you know, kind of in my head and uh, thought it might be useful. We had our front glass shot by a BB gun once I woke up and there was like, Oof. yeah, I, I guess I had a babysitter with a, a boyfriend with an issue. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I was a kid. It was like we weren't we were out of the city. We were out on the wow. Yeah. That is drama. It was drama. Unwanted drama. Jeez. I know. I know. Yeah. Not sure it was worth like her Nestle Quick movie making babysitting <laughs> 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 services to like have to repair our mirror. But did you so I know your main thing, right, is your acting career and you know that's been super successful all this time. So now you've delved into a whole new field. Like what were you at all nervous about this? Or were you just like, I know you had a co-writer and that's great. Were you at all worried about going into a new, you know, tackling the middle grade novel and and trying to figure out yeah. what you like as a writer? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think uh, the the co-writer idea came up when I changed course because I was going to do something much lighter. And it was the events of 2020 that caused me to change course. And that was when I thought, well, I think I'm going to need someone to talk through things with. Right. This this, the subject matter combined with the audience seemed very 
seemed like there was going to be a lot of landmines. And I wanted to navigate that responsibly with someone who had written for that audience before. So yeah, I was, to answer your question, I was very nervous. And again, I, I, I just wanted to do it truthfully, but responsibly. And we tried our best to make something that, you know, mirrored what I was going through in our house, which was to talk about these events plainly, mm-hmm. but not to scare them because we didn't want them to feel like they couldn't, that their world was unsafe for them. We didn't want them to feel like they couldn't walk out of the house. And so it was it was a difficult balance. And I wanted to kind of bring that same, those same intentions to the book as the, that we were bringing to our own children. That's lovely. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. What do you feel like, how do you process all of the anti-Asian violence going on right now? Like, how do you come to terms with that? How do you think about it? How do you talk to your kids about it? You know, I I don't know if I've come to terms with it very well, uh, very successfully. I'm shocked that I'm so naive. I I had hoped that it would have been temporary, you know, the, the onset of the pandemic when, you know, we heard, you know, Kung flu virus and all that stuff. And and yet it's continuing, especially in New York. I'm particularly dismayed that they're attacking women and the elderly. It mm-hmm. seems particularly dark and malicious, you know. But yeah, it does seem to be the cycle that that's repeated itself in Asian American history, going from sort of the good ones to the scapegoats, you know. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the, the most extreme version is 
incident of Japanese being interrogated during World War II mm -hmm. and Germans being left alone. So that German Americans being left alone, rather. So it seems to be re history repeating itself. But but I would say this uh, I, I, it's hard to imagine even a political forces causing a man to attack a defenseless woman. It's it's really mind boggling. I, I, I can barely I don't know. I, I have trouble even accepting the data, <laughs> the facts of the facts, it's, it's almost seems mythological. Like I, I, I just, it's, I, I read the accounts in the paper and have to, to read again because it seems so improbable. And yet, you know, it's happening frequently. So it's, it's very sad. I had a housekeeper for my whole life for 30 years, like my mother's family and she was pushed in front of a subway and killed. She's Asian and it was awful. Oh my God. When? I know this happened 2016, I think 2016. Oh, wow. But I, and I recently interviewed, I don't mean to be flip about it. It's obviously very upsetting, but I recently interviewed Kian Julie Wang who wrote Beautiful Country, which if you haven't read is like amazing. It's amazing mm -hmm. memoir. And I was talking to her about it because it comes up in her book and all that. And she said, you know, I don't think it's happening anymore now. I think it's just finally being reported by the media, which is even more upsetting. Right, right. Yeah. I'm, I, I think also that's the slipperiness of, of addressing this issue is being, you know, is it being reported? Mm -hmm. And how do we count hate crimes? And so it is, it's thorny. I, I, I don't even know how to start addressing it. How do you convince people not to do this darkest thing that you would never that you could never conceive of. So it's baffling and exceptionally frustrating. Yeah. Well, I have to say one of the ways to combat some of these misperceptions or stereotypes or whatever is being able to put yourself in people's shoes, which is what fiction does best, right? right. Being able to empathize and learn and see what it's like, you know, putting yourself in someone's living room, not that necessarily people are... I mean, that's one of the tools. I feel like that's one that's of the main tools of of getting people on the same page is to write fiction about it or memoir or whatever. So I feel like a book like yours is is helps people transcend everything, right? This is what it's like for this one child and this one experience and, you know, stop and pay attention. And, you know, this is this family and the, anyway, so I, I hope I, so. That, that there are a lot of, you know, we set this book inside a really pivotal political event, but right. at, you know, with the, at the heart of it, it's a love story between a father and a son and a portrait of a, a Korean American family. And I hope that people can empathize. I mean, I think we started from the image that everyone remembers from the LA riots. If you, if you ask if there's a single image from of Korean Americans from the LA riots, it's those men on the rooftops with their guns. And I think the attack for me was, you know, what if we followed that man home and what is his home life like? And what are the what are the dynamics there? And if people got a sense of who their neighbors might be, their Korean American neighbors through the mm -hmm. book, that would really please me. Mm -hmm. And if they got if they felt a kinship, that would really be amazing. Is this going to be a movie? Are you gonna be the dad? <laughs> <laughs> it might be a movie, we'll see. <laughs> it could be. I think it could be. I think it should be. I think it should be. I think it's an important story to to digest personally. Well, I'm sure you agree with me because it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a cool movie. And I am partial to sort of 
one night movies, incidentally, you know, I made one myself, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that 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 has always been a, a movie genre that I really like. <laughs> so I think it might, be, it might be a good one. And there are burgers in my book as well. <laughs> my husband loved your movie, by the way. He's like, he's like such a fan. He thought it was the coolest thing that I was interviewing you. And I was like, oh, he's an author. He did. What I did. So anyway, you have a loyal fan base, as you know. <laughs> um, in fact, I was reading it how dismayed people were that your last project ended. There were so many like, why did this end? What happened? You know? Yeah. So anyway, me too. By the way, <laughs> I was one of, them. <laughs> you one of the, You're just like posting about hey, it. Hey man, yeah. and my mom was my mom was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Most search Google term by the, by the star. So <laughs> I read also that you, like so many of us, had a lot of anxiety about many of the events today and George Floyd and all of the things, and that one resulted in a panic attack. And I was wondering if if that was accurate and if that was something you struggle with. And if you have any tips for managing anxiety, which oh, man. I would welcome. So I, I was going to ask you for tips, but that, <laughs> that, that did happen very recently to me. I was, uh, I think it, it was, it was also real. It was illustrative of, of how stressful the last few years have been and mm-hmm. how sustained it's been. And one day at a time, I guess you can deal with it, but collectively you start putting those years together and boy, has it been wearing on us. And I hadn't thought about that day and, you know, that I was listening to a podcast about the day, uh, was it Lafayette Park? Trump went out with the Bible and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. cleared out the protesters with tear gas and stuff. And it was a firsthand account of the, a man who had an apartment on that block and let in the protesters into his apartment and they were cleaning out taking milk out of the fridge and cleaning out the tear gas from the eyes. And it was just packed with protesters. And it's this friendship that formed between the, the, the apartment owner and a protester. And I was just transported back to that day and that time. And I don't know what it was. I can't, I can't really quite explain it. it. It seemed like me finally looking back and letting kind of the last six years hit me in the chest. And I was exercising. I had to, kind of stop and I was, I couldn't have, I've had a couple of panic attacks, but it's not been something that's happened often to me. So it was really surprising and I had to stop and just breathe for a while. Uh, That was tough. I always think about that scene with Jack Nicholson. Did you see As Good As It Gets? I think that's the one where he has a panic attack and goes to the hospital because he thinks he's having a heart attack. And that's so common, right? People, it's all the same symptoms. Our bodies, you know, trick us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I guess we feel these things. It starts in the brain and goes through the body, and it's a, it's a moment of trauma, you know. Yeah. And and it's weird that you can have past trauma and and it becomes present tense trauma. Yes. So uh, the body, the body and mind, body, very, body mysterious, <laughs> very mysterious. Very mysterious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Any other plans for more books? Yes. You know, I I don't know yet what it might be, but it's been. I, I got to say, I. The greatest thing about having written a book is knowing that you have written one. And <laughs> and it's been such a gift to me because, you know, my day job being an actor, you come in for the middle part. You miss the preparation and then you come in for the for the hot stuff in the middle and then you leave and then they finish the film and kind of taking it from beginning to end has been so gratifying and it has emboldened me. And and 
many parts of my life and thinking, well, if I can do this, maybe I can do something else. So it's been one of the one of the coolest things of, uh, that I've ever done. And it hasn't even come out yet, but you know, just having done it, it feels so great. And, and most of all, I look forward to kids reading it. I'm, I, I wanted to write a book just because I wanted, you know, I, w- I would like to have said it was for my kids, but really it was for, for, for me, for 12-year-old me. And I thought, wow, it would have been really cool for, for 12-year-old me to walk into a library because we didn't go to bookstores <laughs> and see this book and see that boy on the cover. And, and so I'm just really looking forward to, to seeing it on a shelf and seeing a kid grab it. Oh, that's great. I love that. You'll put like little secret cameras in all the stores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be lurking in the children's <laughs> section of Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like looking around the corner, peeking through the through the book. Oh my gosh. Too much. All right. Well, John, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Time to Read Books. Congratulations. It's a huge accomplishment and really powerful story. Really, really well written and captivating and important and and all the good things. So congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 